Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit Bethel.com. Well, I'm excited to just be with you guys. We're family here. The world's watching. Welcome, family, Bethel TV. And uh, we're going to talk about evangelism today. I'm going to preach a message today called Born to Shine. Is there anybody here who's been born again? You've been washed in the blood. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Sin has been canceled. You're forgiven. Come on. That's like enough to shout, right? I'm not looking for a response, but like, that's like, that's something. I mean, like, we've been born again, and, uh, and we've been born again for a purpose. And today, we're going to talk about how this works out, how it works in our lives. And, uh, and if I can get my notes to work, we'll be ready to rock. There we go. Okay, cool. And so... My wife and I have been here for nine years, just, just last month. I can't believe that already. Nine years, and we just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. <clears throat> and uh, we're so excited. We love our kids. My son, Joel, on the front row there, I'm so proud of. He is the most amazing basketball player I know. He is. Can I brag on you, son? Is that all right? Yes, I'm, I'm, it's too bad. I have the microphone. He just... He's a freshman who just made JV at uh, Foothill, and uh, I'm just so proud of him. He works so hard. It's just, I just love him. Gets up, puts up shots in the morning before school. He just he wants it. So he says, Dad, I never played basketball a day in my life. I was a wrestler in high school. I'm like, I can't teach you how to play basketball, but I can teach you how to, how to work. <laughs> so he, he has done that. But um, well, I just wanted to thank Bill, and, and Benny's not here, but just for how much you guys have the Johnsons have changed our lives and, uh, and made us so much better, just in every way, made our lives richer. And uh, first time I ever heard you preach, Bill, was in 2004. I told you that in the first service. And uh, I called my wife, and I was like, I just heard somebody preach, and they're reading a different Bible than me. <laughs> I ain't never heard anything like this. He preached on uh, a, a sermon out of Mark. Anyways, anyways, I just changed my life, so... I'm excited. Um, we just had our youth conference here just a couple, just a couple a few weeks ago. Had about 1,500 kids at the youth uh, at the Civic Center, and the final night, man, I just felt so I've been carrying something in my spirit for a while. I've always felt this thing, but it's just been really swirling in me. Probably the last year and a half or so is just the message of the simple gospel and what it means to be born again. <clears throat> so the final night of the service, I preached a message called basically what it means to be born again and how to be born again. And uh, man, kids were rushing up front to get born again at the end of the message. Before I could even give the call, they were, they were just so hungry to just get saved, to just meet Christ. And uh, I lived for those moments. And uh, you know, we're excited. We're taking our youth conference to San Diego in February, uh, specifically because I want to go after California. California will be saved. And um, California is... Is, is, is not going to fall off into the ocean. California is going to experience a mighty revival and move of God that's going to touch America. And so we're going to go after the young people of San Diego, and we're going to preach the simple gospel that has power to break every chain, destroy every yoke of bondage, wash away any sin. The gospel has power to do it all. So we're going to go for it. How many of you guys know Jesus is king? Amen. Closes on Sunday. It's Bill's favorite song right now. He's jamming with it. You see Bill bumping down the road. 
closed on Sunday? I don't know if you are. I know you like it. But, uh, you know, Kanye West has put the gospel on headline news for the world. Come on. I love what God's doing in his life. I love what, I love his, his, his CD. I, I love just his interviews. I mean, just like, if you're not aware of what's going on, you need to come out from underneath your rock and Google Kanye West. But he's been born again and his life is shining. He's just, he's just, he's got a whole lot more to lose than most everybody else here in this room. And he just don't even care. He said something so good the other day uh, at Joel Osteen's church. He said, if you lose the love and fear of God, then you, then you invite the love and fear of everything else. And um, man, man, what the Lord's doing on his life right now is putting evangelism on the front page of everybody's life. We need to recognize the season that we're living in right now, that it is the day of the harvest. America is primed for a, a, a great awakening, and it's going to happen through the preaching of the simple gospel, not just through evangelists that are rising up, but I believe through everyday normal believers who just simply love God. So go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1, and uh, we're going <clears> to <throat> read some important passages of Scripture here just as we open this up. Amen. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. It's like John's just covering it all. Look, it all came from Jesus, people, right? In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. How many guys know that the world is dark? Amen. But the good news is the light has arisen over you. The light has arisen over your life and the darkness is looking at you and they don't comprehend you yet. They don't quite grasp you yet. It's kind of like I was skiing one day years ago with a, a relative of mine, and he looked at me and he said, you, you born agains. You're always just so happy. And I was like, thanks, man. That's <laughs> true. The darkness is looking at you going, you don't make sense. You should be discouraged with what's going on in your life. Your joy is speaking to me. Amen? You see, for me, it was years ago, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I was never Mormon, lift up a shout of praise, but if you're Mormon, we love you, we welcome you here, and, uh, but I was never LDS, I was raised in a Christian home, I knew God as a kid, I encountered him as a child, and then um, when I stepped into seventh grade, I started hanging out with the wrong friends, you know, saying goes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, and uh, Started just making a lot of stupid choices, and, and um, when I was 17, I got a girlfriend, and she was just as ugly as sin compared to my beautiful foxy wife right here on the front row. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, bad, man. The only reason I share that is because it's part of the story, all right? But I, I was working at a place called Sports Park. I wasn't walking with the Lord. And um, 
I was working at a place, sports park, and, and they had like, you know, outdoor go-karts and putt-putt golf and batting cages and all that stuff. And so one day I'm at work and it just so happens I was the only one out there. And that rarely ever happens because usually it's just bustling with people. And I'm standing there and all of a sudden this one man walks out there with two kids, puts his little kids on the kitty track. They're just doing circles. And the guy looks at me and I looked at him. You guys ever had God set you up? Remember those times where you had a set up? And, and he says, I says to him, so where are you from? And he says, I'm from Seattle. I said, oh yeah, I heard there's a bad drug problem in Seattle. Like I would care, I smoked pot at the time. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and he goes, yeah, there is. I, I did cocaine for about nine years and then I stopped. And I said, yeah, I have a kind of half-sister. She, she uh, did cocaine for nine years too and then she got saved. I wasn't even walking with God, but that's what came out of my mouth. And he goes, saved? You mean you're a brother man? I mean, he, was, he went from zero to 60 like this. <laughs> And I was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, me too. I'm a warrior for Christ everywhere I go, man. I love God. I burn for Jesus everywhere I go. And I'm like, totally, totally. <laughs> and uh, he was just, this guy became like a flamethrower on the head of Gumby inside of me. On the outside, I looked like this. Awesome, yeah. Praise God, brother. Bless you. That's wonderful. But on the inside, it was like a blowtorch on, 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 on a gumball. And I'm just like melting on the inside. But I couldn't show him that, you know? So I'm standing there, and uh, I said to him, you know, I'm thinking about buying the Book of Mormon and reading it so I can prove to my girlfriend that it's, that it's wrong, it's a lie. That's, which is the wrong thing to say to a, somebody who's burning, right? The guy looks at me and he says, why would you seek a lie to find the truth? He said, Jesus said, broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction and many will go there, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. You need to, and many will seek it, but only few will find. You need to seek the narrow gate. And I'm standing there like, on the inside. But on the outside, I'm like, oh yeah, totally, totally, yeah, totally. Seek the narrow gate. I'm totally, I'm seeking the narrow gate. You knew me, I'm seeking the narrow gate. And so the guy, kids are just going around the kitty track. Get his kids off the track, takes them. I said, see you later. And he goes, have a great day. Walks away. In about six minutes, my life was transformed. And he has no idea to this day what he did to me. Because in six minutes, he gets up, he walks off. I turned around to go out of the gate. And it was like, I said in my words coming out of my mouth, I said, I knew it was real. And I saw in my mind's eye like a vision, like a white flame. As I opened the gate and began to walk away, I knew from that moment God was, was seeking me. Less than 1% of the population actually born again. What are the odds of somebody who actually come and witnessed me in that city? God was seeking me. I had a radical encounter with God that absolutely changed my life, uh, you know, time and time again after that. But the Lord is, is seeking people. God is a seeking God. He is seeking everybody who's lost and he wants to find them, amen. Luke 19, Jesus said to the Son of Man, has come to seek and save that which was lost. You know, what if we put a couple of lenses on our eyes, like 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Like imagine that, the Lord doesn't want any person in our city to go to hell. You know, if you look at what's going on today with different theologies people are believing and stuff, people would like to remove the theology of eternity but the reality is, you don't get the option. <laughs> we don't make the rules. 
Why would you trust some stupid opinion because they're following feelings or they got hurt and offended over the most reliable source on the planet, the written word of God? The Bible declares, Jesus talked about heaven and hell. These are two realities and it creates an urgency inside of us when we look at humanity and we gotta be moved by love to go after them, amen. Yes, I will. Amen. Once I had that encounter, I became an encounter for somebody else. You see, the Bible talks, Jesus talked to the, the disciples and he gave them, at the very end of his life, he gave them the great commission. Mark 16, except most believers treat it like the great suggestion. Ah, maybe I will. He said to them, go into all the world and preach, which means proclaim the gospel to every creature. And he who believes is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. There's an, there's an urgency, right? Right? I mean, if you look at America, like, there's an urgency, there's an urgency. We're in a spiritual battle for the souls of people. You know, the easiest way of putting it, after I encountered Christ, like I didn't like church. I especially didn't like youth group. Right? Then church kids. Psh, ain't got no time for them. And then after I encountered Jesus, you couldn't keep me away from church. Church without the presence of God on a person's life is just tormenting. Because you, you have enough of the world inside of you to, you know, to, to not be happy in church and enough of, of God inside of you to not be happy in the world. You might as well just fully surrender. But Christ conquered my heart with his love. Like, I had a personal, like, Jesus became real to me. It wasn't like, you know, church services and programs. Like, Christ became my best friend. I mean, I used to walk around and say things to people. Well, I don't say it anymore, but I used to say things to people like, if you were to put a 38 to my head and say, deny Christ or I'll blow your head off, I'd say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He's too real to me. Because he'd ha I'd had a real relationship, a real encounter with the Lord. So my heart just simply got conquered by the love of God. And so everything that I'm talking about with evangelism is coming from a place of just my heart's been conquered by his love. I, I used to do a ton of street evangelism and just going out and doing this stuff, and then the Lord led us to become youth pastors. How many of you guys here, you got saved before you were 18 years old? Let me see your hands. That's why. This generation is in the valley of decision. I've had more kids come around that uh, have never even heard of what it means to be born again or a Bible or any of that stuff. But America, it needs the simple gospel like never before. America needs the simple gospel. I learned something from Chris O years ago. Just ask people, hey, have you ever heard of what it means to be born again? So everywhere I go, not every person, but I talk to a lot of people and I ask them that question. Hey, have you ever heard of what it means to be born again? And um, it's amazing. I would say nine out of 10 people have no idea. Billy Graham's era, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, America, everybody knew what it meant to be born, to be born again. But nowadays people are like, I, I don't know. I've maybe heard of that, I'm not really sure. So on one, one side, it's, a, it's a, America's greatest tragedy. On the other side, it's the greatest opportunity because we get to preach the gospel with the demonstration of power that brings people to Christ like never before. Evangelism in the Greek means to preach the gospel. It's, evangelism, is, it's almost like it's being redefined in America today. It's not, a, it's not a platform ministry, it's not a personality, it's not a style or even a volume. Evangelism is a grace released from your relationship with God. 
it's not something, you know, like soul winning is not for the evangelists. It's actually for the body of Christ. Amen. You know, many times we're, we're hoping for the next Billy Graham to rise up and captivate America. And I, I hope that happens. But honestly, I don't even think that would be enough. I think it's going to, I think what God is looking to do is empower the everyday ordinary believer from young to old to carry the message of the simple gospel everywhere they go. And the Lord's taking each of us and he's sowing us like leaven into our cities. And just like God sent that man to me that day, the Lord is sending each of us into the specific places that God knows they need to hear the gospel through you. In fact, in the New Testament, you'll see Acts 21.8, Philip was the only named evangelist. The reason why is because evangelists, they were less easy to identify because in the New Testament, everyone did the work of evangelism. Philip's the only one who actually was called the evangelist, Philip the evangelist. Timothy's not even an evangelist, but Paul admonished him, do the work of an evangelist. And so God's wanting to shine through his body again. He wants to shine through our lives. He wants to make it hard for people to go to hell through Redding, California. Amen? I think it was Keith Green said it like this. He said, I'd rather have you hate me now than hate me in eternity. Amen? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told the disciples, you'll receive, say it with me, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word witness actually means martyr. That's exciting, right? <laughs> who wants to be a martyr? No. Uh, it means martyr. It means somebody who is dead to themselves, but they're alive in Christ to make Jesus known on the earth. Amen? Witness doesn't mean, it does, actually doesn't mean, hello, my name's Tom, and I, today I am going to witness to you. You get to be my project, Chad. I'm going to witness to you, you know? Witnessing doesn't mean that. Witness actually means I saw something. Like I was driving on the road the other day, and and, and I was going across 44 West, and all of a sudden, these, all these cars started slamming on their brakes, and this one car didn't see it, didn't sl- hit her brakes, and bam, she nailed the back of the car, and I witnessed an accident. In the same way, how many guys have ever witnessed cancer dissolve? Ha. Huh. How, how many guys have ever witnessed a blind eye open? I saw a guy right here one time. His eyes freaked out. It was incredible. How many guys have ever witnessed shame lift off your life? How many of you have ever witnessed resurrection power touch you in an undeniable way? We're a witness of Jesus. How many guys love it when somebody tells you, here's what you need to do with your life, and when you never asked them for that advice? Right? Like, Dave, you need to grow hair. Because I just said, you need to grow hair. You just need to grow hair. It might just be right here on the sides, but you look like a grandpa. You just need to grow hair. Nobody wants to be told what to do, Right? But how about if I stop and I tell you what happened in my life? For example, I was, on a, uh, I, I was flying home the other day from Sacramento, and I got on a, the bus from the terminal to my car. And I'm looking at all these people, and you know, my heart is, is moved with, with love. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, what's the best way to tell all these people about Jesus? And so I looked at them all, and I said, I said, you know, we're all tired. Everybody just wants to go home. We've been traveling all day. It's like, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. So I said, uh, I said, hey, guys, can I just share something with you from my life? And they were like, yeah. 
I said, 24 years ago, I was bound up with shame, guilt, confusion. And I cried out to God. I said, God, if you're real, I need to know you. And long story short, Jesus Christ revealed himself to me. He's real. He broke guilt and shame off my life, took confusion away, filled me with his Holy Spirit. I got what the Bible calls born again, a new life. The old life died, and I came alive in Christ, man. And uh, I'm, I just started preaching the gospel. It was like there was this grace. They were like receiving it. And this one lady says, well, the world needs more of that. <laughs> this other guy sitting next to him was just like, you could tell he was taking it in. It was, it was amazing. But I want to be honest with you. It wasn't like, you know, all of a sudden the whole bus dropped on their knees and said, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> Didn't happen. That was kind of the end. And they walked away. And you know what? I was okay with that. I mean, I want more. I'm looking for the day, what must I do to be saved? I'm looking for the day when people are, that's going to happen. But, but you know what? It's impossible for me to show up and just burn in front of somebody and something not happen. Amen? Most of the time with evangelism, we're like, oh, I didn't lead them to Christ. or They didn't pray. Nothing happened. Whatever. It's impossible for something to not happen if you show up and burn. You know, it's easy to, it was easy to witness to my hairstylist. Because somebody before me who went to Bethel already tipped her $100. And when I showed up and I was just like, hey, Jesus loves you. And she's like, you know, I know. Did you go to Bethel? I'm like, yeah, you guys are amazing. Here's what happened. What would happen if, if in Reading right here, all of a sudden, people at Target, it just becomes impossible for them to go to work without being loved on? People at Walmart, people at Starbucks. Why? Because there's so many people that are activated to simply carry the love of Jesus, to preach the gospel that takes away sin, that removes shame, that breaks the power of lies. Amen? You know, we've all done evangelism out of the wrong, the wrong motive. How many of you guys have ever been shamed into doing more, right? We've all been like, you know, gosh, I suck at this. I sh- I'm not doing enough. <laughs> We've all felt like, you know, man, I need to be doing more. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Feel shamed into it. And, uh, you know, you can do things for the wrong reasons and it go okay, but you know when you walk away and you feel gross inside. And I determined years ago, you know, I'm just not going to do it out of shame. But instead, if I lock eyes with the love of the Father and I just sit back and drink in his presence... And just let the Holy Spirit just flow through me, then it becomes an effortless movement. It's not like I'm trying to witness to somebody. It comes from a river that's already flowing long before I ever met that person. Amen? I guess an easy way to illustrate it is years ago, my, my daughter, my wife and I were pretty much the world's best parents. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we, we love being parents. We we love just showering love on our kids. We love loving on our children, and it's just like a hobby for us. But um, just kidding. My daughter, when she was three or four years old, she, you know, I took her to we took her to BCS, our preschool. It's just an amazing school, and I'll never forget when I took her to school. This happened for probably two years, maybe three. Every morning, I would take her to school, and I'd drop her off. I'll never forget one of the first times it happened, though. I drop her off, she goes into the school, and there's all these people standing around, and teachers, and parents, and I'm like, goodbye, sweetie, I love you, I'm walking, I'm maybe 30, 40 feet away, she turns around, standing outside the door, and she said, daddy, 
I love you past the moon, past the sun, very far to outer space, past outer space to glory, past glory to the other outer space. <laughs> she was unashamed, man. I looked back and I said, I love you too, princess. And she goes, I love you more. I love you most. No, you don't. I love you. No. And we're just in this love war of who loves who the most, you know? And it's just like, where did all that overflowing love come? It came from being poured into by two parents who just loved the snot out of this child. This is evangelism at its finest. It's you just, it comes from a place of being loved, not from being moved by shame or moved by anything else, but just, I'm loved by the Father. I've encountered God and I can't be quiet about it any longer. No, maybe you're like, I'm not an evangelist. Great. Look into his eyes, you'll want to be. You'll start talking. Listen, my goal is to not turn people, I'm not here to make everybody an evangelist. Most of you are not evangelists, right? But everybody gets to be a witness. Everybody gets to be a witness. Everybody gets to be a witness. How many of you guys love the prophetic culture we have around here? Amen. Aren't you thankful for how you, can, you, know, you walk into this place and the janitor will prophesy over you? Or somebody in Hebrews will get a word for you. And it's just like part of your job description. Just let the kingdom fly, you know? Well, evangelism is no different from all those gifts. What if we all got activated and began to just flow in this grace that comes from you connecting with Jesus, telling people, hey, Jesus loves you. You know, Jesus loves you might feel cliche to you who've known the Lord for a while, but to somebody who's never heard Jesus loves you, it's not cliche. I was at the uh, Washington, D.C. airport the other day, and, and I walked up to this guy, and, and honestly, I felt fear when I was about to approach him, you know, but it was just like, it doesn't matter what I feel. And so I walked up to him, and I said, hey, bro, can I tell you something? He says, yeah. I said, man, Jesus loves you. Has anybody ever told you that before? And he goes, you're the first one. <laughs> I'm like, well, man, I'm honored to. And it was just like, he was done. He wasn't ready for more of a conversation, but that's all right. I planted a seed that it's just not going to go away because the Holy Spirit's on what you say if it's the word of God. Amen? It's impossible to show up and burn and something not happen. So let's let you walk away with that. God bless you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, some powerful verses here. It says, it says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation actually means to like the exchanging of money. Jesus has paid in full for your life and wants to exchange your sin. That is what, that God in Christ is reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. As though... God, we're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that powerful? The word implore you actually means, in the Greek, it means to beg or to plead. So have you ever had an evangelist come up here and, you know, or on TV or whatever, and they just, they plead with people. They implore you to get right with God. Today is the day of salvation. That's actually the spirit of Christ flowing through people to draw people to Christ. One time I was on an airplane, and uh, it's a good place for evangelism, I'm telling you. And, um, you know, 
I'm, I'm sitting next to this guy, and I, I love it because I don't have to try and make anything happen because the Holy Spirit's the best evangelist. He was with that person years before I ever talked to them. So he's already been doing things before I ever got there. And when you come into the presence of somebody else's life, what's inside of you begins to stir what's inside of them. It's like when Smith Wigglesworth was on the ship years ago, and he was floating over to Australia or something like that, and he hadn't even said a word yet in the carriage, just sitting there in the presence of the Lord. And when somebody looked at him and said, sir, you convict me. (laughs) Amen. So I'm sitting next to this guy on the airplane and all of a sudden he just starts talking to me about marijuana. And uh, he's just talking to me about smoking weed and how he smoked weed, but then also how the legalization of weed is destroying our cities. And I'm like, totally, bro. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to him. And somehow I ended up into me sharing the gospel with him. And, you know, um, I'm talking to him about, you know, God created us in his image and in his likeness, but sin jacked everything up. You know, we find ourselves doing things we don't want to do, you know, like lying or stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, totally. I'm like, well, sin separates us from God, but God loves us so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place on the cross. So we don't have to be separated from God, but you can come to him just as you are and be reconciled to God through the only way to the Father, Christ the Son, through faith in him. And he's like, oh, okay. And uh, so I'm sharing with him and I, I, after preaching the gospel, I love asking people this question. Here's what I asked them. I said, so after I shared with them, I said, so how do, you, how do you feel right now after hearing what I'm talking about? And he goes, I feel uncomfortably good. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful description of the conviction of God? And I said, we're talking for a few more minutes, and I had built some rapport with this guy, and we're sitting there, and I, says, I said to him, bro, and I slapped him on the arm. I don't do that every time. I had different, you know, the freedom there. I slapped him on the arm and said, what are you waiting for, man? Surrender your life to Christ now. Don't wait. You're not promised tomorrow. And he goes, okay, yes. <laughs> right there, he prays and he gives his life to Christ, man. Come on. You know, we all get busy at times, you know? We're all, we're all in life. But evangelism, it starts with the heart of the Father, that's where it starts. It starts, with, it starts with the heart of God, the heart, the love of God, the heart of the Father. And, um, you know, years ago, we were on our, on our way to Las Vegas. No, it's a different place for vacation. We stopped at Las Vegas for a little layover, and my family were walking through the airport, and uh, hundreds of people around in Vegas airport. We get to our gate, and right here there's a train about to take off to take people to another terminal. And I looked down, and my daughter was gone. And I'm like, where'd Daddy go? Where'd Daddy go? And I couldn't find her anywhere. And and all of a sudden, I lost all dignity. It was like gonzo out the window. I turned around, couldn't find her. I looked around and I said, Addie, and I began to scream her name. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, like, oh excuse me, my daughter is lost here, you know? <laughs> Addie, Addie, and I, I turned, when I looked this direction, I said, has anybody seen a, a little girl with blonde curly hair? And it was amazing as people were on their route to their destiny, they just didn't want to quite lock eyes with this father who was panicked wasn't a part of their lane. And, uh, you know, we have to be careful sometimes. Just a few seconds later, this woman gra- grabbed her and brought her back to us because she heard us screaming. <laughs> you know, here's your daughter. And, and, but I got to experience that twice. Another time we lost our son one time. It was awesome. <laughs> Tra- totally traumatized Heather Armstrong in a photo shoot. And, uh, 
But I've experienced those, how many of you guys have ever lost a child before? It's like the worst feeling ever, right? You know, honestly, if we would let, I've prayed, God, you can borrow my emotions. I learned it from David Wagner. You can borrow my emotions and let me feel what you feel. If we begin to pray that for the people in our city, we would begin to be moved to touch people's lives. And, uh, and not look at it like, oh, that's outside of, I'm not an evangelist, I don't really do that. If you're a believer, you do that. If, you've, if you know Christ, if you know the heart of God, you can't look at the Father and say, sorry, that thing that's on your heart right there, that's not important to me. Because that's on the heart, lost kids, billions of them around the planet, that's on the heart of the Father. Are you, do you agree with me, amen? Someone's gotta stand up and speak though. Someone's gotta preach. Romans 10, it says, how can, how can someone call on someone whom they've not believed? How can they believe in him whom they've not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? You know, preach, it actually means to proclaim. And then right there in verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the rhema, the word of God. That word preach means to proclaim. You know that people, there are people that, that won't actually believe till somebody proclaims the word so that faith can be possible for them to actually believe. Well, I'll just let my life speak. That's great. It needs to. I wrote a book on that, by the way. But even more so, somebody's got to actually speak the words so that people can walk in understanding and know how to get right with God. Amen? How many of you guys have ever felt at times like, you know, I don't know the gospel. I don't want to annoy people. I don't, I don't want to get in the way. How many of you guys ever felt that? I've felt that before. You know, if you really think about it, evangelism is, it is a violent act in the spirit. You are piercing the darkness, piercing somebody's atmosphere in darkness to bring truth and light into somebody else's life. If I were the devil who had a personal on lockdown, and, and you know, I can't stop you because the devil's been completely dismantled and, dis, and disempowered. But what I would do if I was the devil is I would try and slow you down. I would speak things like, you're going to look so stupid when you, when you talk to them. You're going to annoy them. You're going out of your way. This is going to be too hard. You don't have time for this. Think about it for a second. This is what the enemy wants to stop us from doing is actually stepping out and piercing the darkness. So I want to encourage you guys today. You can't listen to what you think about or feel. Think about it. All those different thoughts. You're going to look stupid. This is not going to work out. I'm going to get rejected. All that. Who does that get you to think about? Yourself. Since when was it ever about us, right? The other day, I, I did an altar call at the end of this service. And uh, for me, I don't know, you guys were here, obviously. I felt like Elmer Fudd at the end of that altar call. But if you want to get, just my words just weren't working. They just weren't coming together. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then I said, if you want to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. Three people raised their hand and come up here and got saved. And I'm like, praise God. It wasn't based on my performance. It's just really not about me. I promise you, none of you guys went home and thought to myself, you know, I need to hold up a scorecard next time. Tom's doing an altar call. Seven. Mm, three. We're just, we're all actually just thinking about ourselves and what God's doing in us. The lost aren't looking at you going, wow, you're a professional. How often do you do this? Amen? It's not annoying. You're not annoying anybody. In fact, if we have the belief system, 
I'm just going to annoy people. Guess what you're probably going to do? Annoy them. But if I have the belief system, I am carrying the greatest flipping antidote on the planet. And everybody needs to know this. Guess what? Be careful. You might start preaching on airplanes and in buses and to crowds of people. Because once your heart begins to get moved by conviction, you can't be silent. Amen. So I want to share with you just a few simple ways that everybody here can start preaching the gospel. Everybody here. You guys in? We're all ready to start preaching the gospel, proclaiming Christ, who he is and what he's done. Amen. Number one, you can share through your story. Through your story. How many guys here have a story? If you've met Jesus, you have a story. And, uh, you know, you can just share what God's done in your life, just like I shared earlier on that bus. But maybe we're here right now, and you'd say, you know, I've known God my whole life. I don't really have a story. Let's talk about that for a second. Because the truth is, everybody has a story if Jesus is in your life. The fact that you used to do crack is not powerful about your story. What's powerful about your story is you don't do it anymore. Because Christ now lives inside of you, and you've seen his love, and he's forgiven you. Amen. It's not powerful that, you know, you used to do all these bad things, and now look at me. It's just like, no, what's powerful is that Christ is inside of you. So in the same way, like, if you've, here's how your testimony looks if you've known the Lord since you were a child. You know, I got saved when I was three years old, and God's been the safest person for me to go to my entire life. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's always been my healer. He's always been my best friend. And I just want you to know right now that God loves you and he wants to be that for you too. Do you understand the world is waiting to hear your testimony? He's waiting to hear. They're waiting to hear. Who, is, who can give me hope? Who can heal my body? Who can heal my family? Who can, who can touch my life? Seriously, there's nothing greater than the message of the gospel of Christ. Because this is what Jesus has provided for us to be healed from the inside out. Amen. Uh, through your story. The second one is through a demonstration of power. Come on, somebody. We need the power of God. God wants to move through the power of God in your life. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, that's how Paul preached the gospel. He went to places and said, you know, I, I brought a demonstration of the Spirit's power. For, so your faith doesn't rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Uh, I was in Salt Lake City, uh, uh, you know, um, the, the mall one time, and I walked up to a guy, and we're doing, doing evangelism there, walked up to a guy, and he had a red shirt on, and he had a chain on his neck, and I said, hey, bro, nice chain. And he goes, oh, thanks. And I was like, kind of reminds me of somehow we, we get bondage and chains in our lives, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just went straight for the jugular. <laughs> and he was like, oh, yeah, totally, bro. He didn't disagree with me. And then I got this, the next thought was, I was just overflowing, right? The next thought was, you know, I just really just got a sense. You just came out of a bad relationship and it's painful. And did her name start with an A? Was it Amber? And he looks at me with these big eyes. And he goes, her name was Aubrey. I was like, wow. And he goes, how did you know that? For some reason in his mind, I nailed it. A little... I just went with it, right? How did you know that? I said, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. He knows your entire life, and he's showing you right now he's real, he loves you, and he's drawing you to himself. At that moment, I became a prophet to the lost, and I just preached the gospel and showed him how you can enter into this relationship with Jesus that Christ died on the cross 
to remove your sin from your life, heal your pain, and draw you into right relationship with him. Do you want that? And he goes, yeah, I do. Right there, he's praying, surrendering his life to Christ with hundreds of people around at the food court. I give him my phone number, I walked away, and he texts me and he says, I'm shocked, God is real, how did you know that? Like, it was a demonstration of power that opened up the door. What is it? It's the hors d'oeuvres of heaven being thrown down as the invitation, inviting the world to a greater feast. Power of God. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. America needs the gospel. It needs a demonstration of power through you. It needs to hear how Jesus can touch a person's life, whether you're a child or 75-year-old man. The Lord wants to touch you and touch somebody through you. I love the message of the gospel. Listen, it needs to be preached all over the airwaves of America right now. Genesis 1:27 says that God created them in man in, in his image. He created them both male and female, he created them. We've been created in the image and the likeness of God and everything he made is, was good. But when sin came into the picture and jacked up the narrative, which is, this is the reason why we are moved by things to do, to do things that we are, we're not proud of sometimes. It's called the sinful nature. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to not leave us alone, not condemn us, but to die in our place, to pay the ultimate price, to wash away not just our sin, but also our shame and our guilt and our, and our tears and heal our bodies. Christ paid the price. The gospel is, is a Jesus-centered gospel, not a sin-centered gospel. It comes to, it's the, it's the, the antidote of heaven to wash away our sin and our pain. All you got to do today is turn towards him, acknowledge. You, you, can't go, you can't go clean yourself up. You can't remove your sin with your own uh, good works in a, in, a, in a good works shower. That just don't work. The Lord shed his blood on the cross to wash us clean from the inside out. But it takes turning towards him in two things, in faith, in repentance and faith, which means fully surrendering, turning away from and turning towards the Lord just as you are. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard in multiple languages on our Bethel TV website. If you'd like to partner with us in discipling nations and fueling personal revival, you have the opportunity to give at Bethel.tv slash podcast slash donate.